Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, October 16th, 2018. In today's episode, I'm talking to Hockey Hall of Fame writer Jim Matheson, who is in Winnipeg tonight for the Edmonton Oilers game against the host Jets. I asked Matty about Leon Dreisaitl, the center of the Oilers' second line that includes wingers Milan Lucic and Kaori Yamamoto, a unit that has failed to muster any offense at the start of the new NHL season. We talk about the idea of once again moving Dreisaitl onto Connor McDavid's wing, something the Oilers have done in the past to generate goals, and an idea that's come up again in the media as an option for head coach Todd McClellan, who has dismissed it. The team wants Dreisaitl to be the engine of his own line and become a force along the lines of what we saw in the 2017 NHL playoffs, when Dreisaitl proved to be valuable and effective as that kind of pivot. We also talk about the play of the team's right wingers, in particular Jesse Pugliarvi, and what it might take to see him get more ice time and play on one of the Oilers' top lines. The 20-year-old drafted fourth overall in 2016 has started his third NHL season. And we talk about how teams and forward lines find the right chemistry and how difficult it can be. Plus, we touch on the Winnipeg Jets and the challenge of staying a contender and handling increased expectations after an impressive playoff run. Matty, I can't believe the water cooler talk is returning to put Leon Dreisaitl back in a line with Connor McDavid. I know that Connor McDavid has factored in on every single Oilers goal thus far. Uh, you know, and Dreisaitl hasn't lit the world on fire as a second line center, but is, that can't be the right. That can't be the direction the Oilers want that to go. They want Dreisaitl to power his own line. Uh, it's not going to happen. Dreisaitl's not playing with McDavid. Not happening. Uh, in games where they're behind, you'll, you'll often see dry saddle slide on there for a few shifts, but you can't win in today's NHL unless you got two good lines for two good centers. And the orders have a best, the best player in the world is the first line and a player who should be a, an 80 point player, uh, on their second line. And I really think the orders look, should look at their centers like Toronto looks at Matthews and Tavares. Why can't they be? Those two, uh, you know, Tavares is better than 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 Drysaddle, but you know, Connor's better than Matthews. But when you've got two really good offensive centers to worry about, it's tough just to put checking, you know, a checking line against both or the first and second pairing. You're going to get some matchups you like, and behooves Leon to start driving his own line and to to have one of those games where. Connor is a secondary player, and he's the star, not the other way around, as it was in the playoffs against Anaheim a couple of years ago where Leon took on Ryan Getzlaff in the Anaheim series and was terrific. And Connor had to worry about Ryan Kessler. Kessler did a good job, but Dreisaitl was so good that Kessler became you know, a non-factor, and, and it became a Kessler, you know, Getzlaff against Dreisaitl. Both were very, very good. Remind me, who was on Dreisaitl's line for the playoffs in 2017? Uh, I think uh, that's a good point. I can't remember. I don't know if Leon was or if Lucic was playing with Dreisaitl. I don't know if or Lucic was playing with uh, with Connor. 
I can't remember. I know they had, they still had uh, Nugent Hop Ryan Nugent Hopkins as the third. So I, I really can't, uh, I can't remember. My mind only goes back to last week. I have been oh, away. Because, as Jones, was, was back in 1974 or something. As Terry Jones would say, uh, if the Oilers have traveled 17,000 kilometers, so have I. <laughs> it's <laughs> September uh, 29th when I left. So I can't remember past two weeks. So. It's my own fault. I didn't look up the line combos or go back and watch game five, the Ducks series. Yeah. Sorry about that. I you can't expect you to know everything. No. Wow. I do, though. Uh, yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm terrible. Terrible. Um, but that you know begs the question, though. Uh, wingers playing on any line. Well, dry side of the line we're talking about. You know, Milan Lucic and Kyler Yamamoto are his current wingers. We are three games in. Uh, I guess we're waiting to see some magic from that unit. Uh, we are, and I uh, magic from an, anybody other than Connor McDavid. What is he going to? If the Oilers score two hundred goals, is he going to get two hundred points? You know, like Wayne Gretzky did. I don't know, but he's been on every goal. So it, Leon's got uh, a few. Uh, I think he's got three points actually, but it's not, they're not points for you that just jump out at you and say, "Ooh, yeah." He said one of those games where. He was really, really good, and I haven't seen it yet. And and Lucic, uh, Milan was very good in in Sweden against New Jersey. Um, both, he physically was good against Boston. Uh, against the Rangers, I thought he was just, you know, average. I didn't think he was as dominant as he was uh, against New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, they do need a line. And Winnipeg has one has one of the best lines in the league with Shifley, Wheeler, and Kyle Connor which is a handful for the Oilers to check. So I don't know. Winnipeg likes to play Lowry against, uh, you know, their best defensive center against uh, McDavid, which means then that perhaps Dreisaitl will draw Shifley, which is a very good matchup. But at least it's a matchup of two offensive centers. So we'll see. Of course, you know, these wingers that we have on the lines now, they're the ones that won the jobs at a training camp. So, you know, Yamamoto earned a spot. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi as well. I mean, he's playing third line with Tryon Strome. That's been long established for a few weeks now. But would there ever be a time when Pugliarvi would move up to play with Drysaddle if things just aren't going, you know, if they're not scoring? Um, I guess you could say the same thing on the left side too. But I don't know that bringing up, what, Jujar Kyra or maybe Drake Kajula to in place of Milan Lucic and dropping him down. I don't know if that's the way to go either. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think there'd be more revolving door, revolving door on right wing. Uh, I'm of the opinion, and I know the fans in Edmonton, when, when Neil Yakupov was in Edmonton, there was a large segment of fans saying, why isn't he playing with McDavid? Why isn't he playing with McDavid? He's not getting a chance. Why isn't he on the first power play? And, you know, and it's the same you know, not quite as loud, but it's the same with Jesse that they're saying, well, if he played with better people, he'd be doing more. Well, how about the fact that he's playing with, with, uh, on the third line against third pairing, you know, defensemen and, and doing nothing, you know, like in the Ranger game, he played against Frederick Clayson and I noticed him doing a whole lot. So, you know, why should he be, why, why should you be, you know, rewarded, for not doing anything, you know, say, well, playing with, with McDavid. And I, I'm also of the opinion that if Connor McDavid went to Todd McCullough and said, I think 
Jesse Pugliarvi's ready to be on the first line, he would be on the first line. I think they might listen to the best player in the world. And I don't know if Connor's done that. So I think Pugliarvi for sure has to show that what he showed in the preseason translates into the regular season. I thought he was very good in the preseason. I don't think he's been that great in the regular season. I don't think he uses his 105 pounds to his advantage by trying to get inside on people or drive the net or force people to take a penalty on him. I think, I think actually the 156 pound nail, uh, you know, Yamamoto does that more than Pugliarvi does. And I'm sure that if you put, you know, Yamamoto's drive to the net in Pugliarvi, you might have an awfully good right, right now. And I'm not saying there's not a player in, in Jesse, because I'm sure there is, but right now, he is exactly where he should be on the third line because he hasn't until he produces on the third line. I don't think he can move him up to the second or the first line. Now in a perfect world, the owners probably have Pugliarvi in the minors along with Yamamoto, but um, there is nobody else in the system to fill these spots right now. And this has been the, this has been the song and dance for the Oilers for, well, this entire decade plus, isn't it? Well, when you, when they pick somebody early, Often the player gets, you know, is, is not gifted is not the word, but he's picked so early that he's got a spot on the roster until he proves he doesn't. And I think, you know, in the case of Pliarvi, he's lasted half a year his first year. And then they said, oh, nothing's working here. So he's going to Bakersfield. And he was pretty good in Bakersfield. I think, you know, you, perhaps Pliarvi could have stayed one more year in Finland, you know, and played against men. Or he should have played the whole year in Bakersfield. But playing half the year was probably not the way to go for organizationally, and so that, that took a step back. But in Drysaitel's case, it was he was with the team for half a year, his first year, and then went back to junior. He only had nine points, I think, as an NHLer. Then went back to junior and starred and was the MVP in the Memorial Cup, and then came in the next year. Seemed to have changed his his. Um, off-season regimen, got a little faster, and he, he hasn't looked back since. Uh, Darnell Nurse was with the Oilers briefly, and then went back to junior. I don't think they rushed him too much. I think they had the right idea with Darnell. But, you know, when, when you pick a guy fourth overall, I think you're hoping that he steps in like Patrick Laine did in Winnipeg. But he's a different player than Patrick Laine, and he's not a goal scorer. So it's still a work in progress, and, and while he is only 20, uh, the coach says this is his third year in the National Hockey League. So take aside the, throw out the age and say, okay, this is his third year in the NHL. So we want to see a little bit more uh, on a more regular basis, not, you know, some glimpses. And I think that's what the coach is hoping for. And in Yamamoto's case, I've, I, I, it's, it's hard for me about him. He was really good in the preseason last year, made the team. And they played the nine games and he scored a goal. So he this year he was very good again in the preseason. They've played three games and he doesn't have doesn't have a point. So he's played twelve NHL games now and has three assists. So I don't know if he belongs in the American League playing on the first line uh, with Tyler Benson and Cooper Morody, or they should just keep him here and, and see what he does. But at least he did draw two penalties against the Rangers, one of which they turned into the winning goal. Uh, which is the coach on the point out, is providing offense too. He took the penalties 
you know, he forced the Rangers to take uh, holding penalties on, on him and the Oilers scored a power play goal and won the game. So he has contributed that way. What about finding the right players to play with certain people? Like, you know, Ty Ratty was plucked off of waivers by the Oilers last year and, and has had success, obviously, playing on the top line with Connor McDavid. And he's no, he's no uh, fourth, round, fourth overall pick like Paul Yarvey is. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, Connor McDavid isn't clamoring to have Pugliarvi on the first line. Otherwise, you'd probably be there right now. Uh, you know, and I guess you could say the same thing about Yamamoto. Um, what is it about finding the right chemistry uh, between center and wingers or on a, on a forward unit? Well, it used to be you had forward lines. Now you have two guys on a line, and they often rotate the third player. Um, and, you know, in, in, in Connor's case, he's got – Ryan Nugent Hopkins now who seems like a fixture on left wing. So it's, it's finding a right winger who can stay there longer than, than 10 games. And I think certainly Connor likes, you know, Ty Ratty's offensive ability and he wants a line that would stay together. He's made that very clear. You know, he'd like to, to build something with three players instead of just two and then see what happens. Uh, I think Ratty in Ratty's case, he gets a little bit of the, the short end of the stick, he doesn't play in the first power play unit, but the other two guys do. So he doesn't get the same reps uh, offensively as McDavid and Nugent Hopkins do. He's on the second power play unit, which gets, you know, 30 seconds or, or less. So he's not, he's losing minutes, I guess is what I'm, I'm saying. Well, Connor's playing 24 and Nugent Hopkins is playing 20. He's playing 15 and yet he's on the first line. So he loses out on the, on the, the power play end of things. Uh, finding forwards, you know, a line that can work together is very difficult. Winnipeg's done it uh, with, with Connor, who was a rookie last year, Shifley and Wheeler. Boston's done it with, with Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. That may be the best line in the league right now. So you can find three guys that are successful, but what happens is the coach often – Says, well, yeah, but I don't have my my second line is not going good, so I got to move one of these guys on the first line to help the second line. So it's tough for three guys to stick together, and for the Oilers, I think you should stick with Ratty with McDavid and and Nugent Hopkins until proven otherwise, and then see if if either Yamamoto or Pugliarvi can play regular right wing on the second line, and then third right wing. If one of them doesn't pan out, then you find somebody else, you know. Drake Kajula moves over to right wing or whatever and see what happens there. Now you're in Winnipeg, uh, you know, and the Jets are playing the Oilers on Tuesday this week, fourth game of the year for the Oilers. Now, Paul Maurice, uh, you were telling me earlier, is talking about wanting, not wanting to go the route of the Oilers and the Senators the year after they had a good playoff run. You know, the Senators, you know, two seasons ago, same season as the Oilers, the Senators made the conference finals like the Jets did last year. You know, and the Oilers were a game away from making the conference finals as well. Um, so it is a challenge for, you know, a team like the Jets not to slide back. Well, it is a challenge, and I think it's easy to do in the NHL, to be honest. I think the perception of the Jets around the NHL outside of Winnipeg is a lot higher than it used to be. I think when the Winnipeg's playing a game now, there's a lot more people watching on TV. When the Jets come to town now, it's, it's not the small market Canadian franchise. It's the franchise that got to the conference final. So there's more expectation there. 
I think Winnipeg might be a little more equipped to handle it than the Oilers were. I think the Oilers, with their 103-point season, I think an awful lot of players had career years. I think Winnipeg's got more players who've proven what they can do over a period of time, so I don't think the drop-off is going to be uh, as serious. But Paul Maurice is very cognizant of the fact that that it happened to Winnipeg and it happened to Ottawa last year, and he doesn't want it happening to Winnipeg. But what he's doing is he's not setting the the bar of reaching the conference final and said, okay, we got to we got to move one step past that. He's saying, okay, let's start over. We've still got eighty two games to play. Let's play them as well as we can. We can't manufacture the emotion of the playoffs with the rallies out in the street and the fans in the building. You know, there's going to be lots of games in November and January where it's just a you know it's just a game and let's try to win it. And if they don't finish first in the central, no big deal. You know, try to get, you know, 100 points if you can. But that's not beat our brains out to be the president's trophy winner, just to say we're the president's trophy winner and have nothing left for the playoffs. I think they want, what they'd like to do, I think, is probably go the Washington Capitals route last year where they they played okay in the regular season, got in the playoffs, and then got hot and and went all the way. And in Winnipeg's case last year, they were pretty good from start to finish, and they got to the conference final. And I think he liked to go back the throttle just a little bit and say, okay, let's just take it easy here and, and, and be competitive and, and win enough games to, you know, finish, you know, second or third or whatever it is in the central and then see where they go from there. How much of a factor is it playing in Canada? Obviously the orders and the senators from two seasons ago missed the playoffs the next season by a long shot. Winnipeg obviously is coming off their conference final appearance last year. All Canadian teams, does that play a difference uh, in the NHL? Well, I think there's more expectation. There's more fans in Canada care where you finish in hockey than fans in a lot of U.S. cities. You know, and I shouldn't say it's in every city because, you know, Minnesota is a hockey market. Chicago is a hockey market. You know, New York, you know, New York is, Philly is, Pittsburgh is. There's some pretty good markets. But it's, you know, it's ramped up you know, in Canada. Now, Leafs are going to find out there's a lot of expectation level now with Tavares there and Matthews there and Marner and they have, you know, Riley in, on defense. And if they ever sign Nylander, that's a pretty good offensive team. Now everybody's looking at them just a little bit differently, like, oh, you know, they're going to get 100 points and we watch how deep they go in the playoffs. So I think there's more heat on the Leafs than, there's, than any other Canadian team now. I mean, and the expectation level is through the roof. And, you know, Austin Matthews, you know, has a good start to the season and suddenly they're writing that, you know, there's NHL.com's coming out with stuff that, you know, all these got a faster start than Wayne Gretzky ever had in his first, you know, six games or whatever. So suddenly he's being compared to Gretzky and Riley's being compared to Bobby Orr with the start to the season. So there's, there's more expectation level on Toronto players than anywhere else in Canada. But if I would say the expectation level with the Winnipeg is second to, to the Leafs, I think. So, and that is because they're in Canada. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.